Jesus is the only way to have peace with God. Though there is only one way to God, everyone's journey to Jesus is unique and magnificent. Here is a story of one's journey to Christ, now on Redemption Report. Welcome to Redemption Report. Today I have Stephen Fight with me. I met uh, you, Stephen, a little over a year ago. Uh, We go to the same church, and you're part of the church worship team. I remember coming down and interact with you, introduced yourself. But uh, I've I've interacted with you a few times, but I don't really know your story, so I'm looking forward to getting to know you today. Thank you for for joining us. Thanks for the privilege and opportunity. So I understand you grew up in the greater cincinnati area correct Mm -hmm. east east of east of cincinnati in a small town called milford okay okay Mm -hmm. so could you give us just a little bit of background of your upbringing like you know did you grow up you know poor rich you know how 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 did the framework of your childhood work um working class town um I mean, we were we were humble. My dad made enough for us to to survive, and we weren't by any means wealthy. Big family. I've got uh, I've got two brothers and two sisters, and you know we lived like everybody around us lived at that time. And it's, uh, it's not a big house, all crammed in there. Seven people sharing one restroom, which we didn't know any different, but. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I think my family was very typical small town America. I, don't, I didn't know anybody that didn't go to church growing up, so it was in the culture. Uh, and uh, we were—I had a loving family. My parents were were terrific parents, terrific people, siblings. We all got along, and uh, I would say that. Um, We, we attended church, but for me personally, it was more of a cultural thing because that was part of part of what everyone around me did. Uh, I, my siblings, I think, would kind of share that same sort of insight, but we were exposed to uh, the Bible and the gospel that way. I think for my entire family, and, and me, me in particular... Uh, my testimony is very closely linked to my oldest brother, Mike. So, uh, Mike, uh, brilliant, brilliant human being. Uh, he had, uh, it was a fantastic student. Went off to college uh, to Moorhead University. Uh, he was four years older than me. And while he was there, he started reading his Bible. I don't, I don't remember what what prompted him to just start doing that. But while he was there, he started reading his Bible and uh, he did, he realized he had never had an authentic um, experience of being born again. And so he accepted Christ while he was there and uh, he came back and (laughs) he had, he really morphed into this different person. And, uh, I mean, some aspects of him were, 
he was just being legalistic in some ways. He changed all the standards in a very strange way for that, for the time period. Cut his hair short. Uh, was very concerned about things in the culture that he thought were, were ungodly, and so uh, I thought he was a weirdo. But uh, I observed him for you know uh, uh, several years. And uh, I knew that he was different than me. And so um, what got me to really think hard about that, though, was during my senior year of high school and the year after, uh, seven, seven uh, friends, people at least somewhat close to me, died in that short span of time. And um, one of them, one of them, uh, his name is Alex. I was just at his house and had uh, just, I was, he had a pond back there and um, I was in a, a boat in his pond paddling around. He's walking around the shore. We're talking. I don't remember what we we're talking about at the time, but it, it just a couple of days later, I'm at work in, uh, I worked at a Skyline Chili restaurant and some guys came in and said, hey, we were just in an accident. We, the guys that came in and uh, Alex and another kid I knew were, were killed in the accident. They, they watched him dying on the road after their accident. And of course that had a really dramatic impact on me. And, uh, wasn't that long after that that uh, a brother and sister and mom that were close to me they had a car accident car flipped over they all died in that accident and these people you know these were close friends and uh, I got a realization of my own mortality that I had not had before and that really caused me to struggle uh, emotionally and, and spiritually such that I was, I was looking for answers. Yeah. So before all that had occurred, what was kind of, you said, sounds like you grew up in church from mm -hmm. what you said, what would you say is like kind of your first impressions of God or kind of the first time you heard the name of Jesus, kind of what, what your opinion of, you know, Jesus, God, life, death, all that. I don't know that I ever doubted that much in God's existence or who who Jesus who Jesus is and that was just sort of common belief that was reinforced that, that God existed and that uh, Jesus was at least a, linked to God in some way I don't know that I wasn't that I was that knowledgeable about who specifically Jesus uh, is as the Son of God or, or Savior or sent by God to pay the price for my sins. I, I mean, I, I knew somewhat of those things because I was exposed to the Bible, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know enough to embrace it as my own belief system, okay. I think. Okay, okay. Gotcha. So when you were faced with your own mortality after mm -hmm. the incident where your friends passed away, um, what happened next? What 
what uh what did you start to do did you you know ignore it or how did how did that look well i mean i didn't ignore it i was afraid i mean i i i've never really thought about that that i mean when understanding life and death i think doesn't become that real to you until it happens to someone close to you and you understand that yeah this is a part of your existence and um then the questions of you know what what afterwards i started wrestling with in my head and it sounds like you were around 14 15 at this point no that was 18 18 okay so mm-hmm. towards the end of high school early yeah okay when it when it really hit me yeah so the senior year and the year afterwards i see yeah. okay so then what were um what were the things as you started to search and find uh, or search that you found um, as you looked into it? Well, um, again, I mentioned that just my brother Mike was just different than me. I mean, I realized that. And instead of me seeing him as, as, as a weirdo, I started looking at him as perhaps having something that I didn't have. And uh, I mean, this is an odd thing to occur in my life, but I went into... Uh, the living room one day and my parents had this big picture Bible. It was this big, you see them in homes, some, especially back then. A lot of homes had these massive Bibles full of old paintings and stuff and scriptures. I just picked that thing up and I put it in my lap and I flopped it open. And it flopped open to uh, John, uh, book of First John chapter 3. I, I don't know why. I mean, it could be coincidence or it could be God's God's hand. I'm, you know, I'm thinking that it's God's hand because I'm seeking and I'm, I'm searching, I'm thinking. And I start reading in John chapter 3 and it, it says, this is how we know who the children of uh, God are and who the children of Satan are. That's the basic topic of that chapter of the Bible. So I'm reading this thing and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm... I don't line up with the side I would like to be on. And so at that point, I go seeking my brother, Mike, because I understood he has some, something that I don't have uh, in his life spiritually. So at the time, and we're all, again, seven people in a small house, my dad had taken the garage and made it into a bedroom for my brother, Mike, kind of cut it in half. So he's out there. And he is actually, at that point, um, he's determined that God's calling him to, to ministry. And so he's doing a lot of Bible study. And uh, I just said, I walked out and I said to Mike, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Bible out here and I see what it says about what people who know God are like. And I said, I don't, and I see you and you're different than me. And he goes, how do, you, how do you know that you've got a relationship with God or how do you know you're going to maybe go to heaven when you die? And he asked me this question. He goes, well, if you stood at the gates of heaven and God's there and he, he says to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not that bad person. I, I don't think I live that bad. And then he starts sharing with me some specific passages from Scripture. Um, 
I mean, the most bas- basic one being, you know, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The, gospel, the essence of the gospel. And uh, he said, you can, you can believe, you know, Believe right now, make that determination in your life, and I bowed my head before God, asking, asked Him to, to save me, and that's what He did. And I, I mean, I was born again, changed at at that moment in time, and life, life was different. That's wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit of how your life was changed and different following your conversion? Mm-hmm. Well. Um, I had a desire for, for godly things. For, I mean, I understand now. I had a, a desire for holiness, and so I, I started uh, this process of uh, learning the word and applying it in my life, and and stopping things that were uh, hindering my spiritual growth, and. Uh, that wasn't easy. Uh, that cost me friendships, and um, I mean, that's was a, a difficult place in my journey because of my age. I mean, I was eighteen, almost nineteen years old, and uh, making some rejecting worldly stuff as I learned about it, and uh, it just set me on a path to spiritual towards spiritual maturity which has been going on even now sure (laughs) sure. since then so that's what's where i'm still at i'm still growing yeah yeah well it's really cool that you had the relationship with your brother like mutually that you could ask and then he was willing to to talk to you and then you know I, i think that's really cool just how in your story how god used different things throughout your life to put you to that place sometimes it happens it's all right at once and really fast but other times it it takes that time. Um, since believing, you know, like you said, you were right around 18, 19, 20 years old in that time frame. What challenges have you encountered in your walk with Christ? Because obviously not like, oh, my life was changed and everything's been perfect or good <laughs> since then. We, you know, we're still in this world. We still are sinners. We still struggle. So what, um, what challenges have you faced since following Christ? Um, I, you know, when, um, at that age, yeah, I wanted to go to college and Mike had switched to going to a a Christian college because he wanted to pursue ministry work. And so he had been going to, uh, uh, Tennessee Temple University, which no longer exists back then. And, uh, he was like, Hey, you should, you should go here so I can keep an eye on you basically. And so, uh, I went off to to Christian college and uh, that was not that was not an easy fit for me uh, most of the most of the kids going there had gone to Christian schools and, and stuff and I did not and so I was it's awkward time I didn't have a lot of friends um, so it was kind of lonely I did go there I mean I was a good soccer player so and I was going there and I played soccer so it was around a certain group of people, but uh, felt like kind of an oddball. But what I did do is I spent a whole lot of time uh, in the Word. Didn't have a whole lot else to do. 
And so uh, I did that, and I learned a lot um, about practical Christianity, I think that way, how I should conduct myself, live my life. And uh, that was a big year of growth for me, but it was not easy socially. I mean, eventually, you know, eventually I, I should say fit in more. I don't know if that's the right way to explain it, but um, made, made new friendships and, and uh, set better priorities. That was tough. Uh, but then I'm, I'm happy I did that because I, I came out of there uh, uh, mature as a believer for my age, I think, and uh, then went into ministry working in Christian schools for 15 years after that. So, Could you identify one of the uh, biggest joys you've experienced since following Christ? Uh, well, the biggest joys is peace. I mean, there is, in Christ, there is peace. In Christ, there's safety. Uh, in Christ, there is hope and assurance. Outside of Christ, there's none of those. And so that is, that is the best part, I think, about being a believer. Yeah, yeah. It certainly uh, is hard to articulate it to some, like, unless you have it, you know, if someone doesn't have it, it's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that piece. But once you do have it, it, it really opens your eyes to like, oh, this is what life could be without it. But this is what I have now as a result of it. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I think that for people to understand that, I mean, it takes more than just exposure to the knowledge. I mean, the Holy Spirit's work in someone's heart is necessary to, to, uh, to, to know and accept it. And, uh, I've, I've since that, that time, uh, I mean, I went to Bible college, went to Christian college. And, uh, since that time I've, I experienced a call to to be a pastor. And so I went into, to training, uh, with my then pastor, uh, Dr. Charles Wagner was his name, uh, to do that and worked on my understanding of theology. And so I ended up pastoring a church for almost seven years and got to minister the word to people that way and win people to Christ and explaining that to people on a personal level. I mean, that's just it's such a fantastic privilege and to see someone to see someone come to Christ because you get the privilege of, of letting them in on the good news. Yeah. It's just a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes the, uh, the danger that pastors face from talking to them and interacting is you have to feel like you have to be so perfect. But at least my experience with working with people is oftentimes by seeing their brokenness, you're more made more aware of your own brokenness and just how, uh, None of us have it figured out, no matter what the title is. There's no professional Christians. Like, we're all broken, and we all are in need of, of Christ. And to have that reminder over and over, I think, has been helpful in my life, as I'm sure you've experienced as well in ministry and, and otherwise. Well, it's funny how people start treating you differently with a title uh, in front of your name. When 
you're just not. <laughs> I mean, it, it should be humbling for anybody in that position because you just know how imperfect you are. And if you look at the look at the uh, the people uh, throughout the Bible, I mean, it seems to me that God intentionally chose all these really screwed up people to be part of the <laughs> part of the great story of, of God's relationship with men uh, throughout the Scripture, and that gives me hope. I mean, God God picks Paul, uh, a killer of Christians, uh, to be uh, the person that is the the human author, at least, of much of the New Testament and spread the, the gospel throughout the Gentile world. And you and I get to be beneficiaries of that. But sure. look what a screwed up human being he was. Yeah. Uh, and you could pick many, of course. But that gives me hope, actually, that uh, uh, God takes us imperfect people and makes us part of his work. I mean, what a privilege. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you were to leave anyone hearing your story with a, a final thought or a takeaway, what would you want to uh, to say to them? What would be a takeaway they could have? Um, I think um, I think just people just waste life on trying to figure out whether to make decisions or not. Uh, of course, this is the biggest one you can possibly make your your relationship with Christ, and and in in times when I've got to witness and lead people to Christ, a lot of times that that decision-making point comes after I say to them, what, what thing would keep you from making a decision uh, to ask Jesus to be your Savior and, and become a Christ follower? What, is, what, what thing is so important to you that would keep you from making that decision? And, and usually that knocks people into this assessment of the importance of things and uh you know people are afraid of uh maybe losing relationships or having to give up something which the the giving up something thing is usually so petty and so when you measure that in light of of the eternal consequences of this decision uh, that's (laughs) you must take stock of that and I think that's important. And that's important with all aspects of your life then afterwards. If you become a Christian and you you sit on the sideline and you don't become, you don't, I mean, God is going to accomplish his ends with or without you. Uh, he's not subject to our cooperation on that. It's so for us, it's like, hey, do you want to be a part of my my great work or or not? And so why would you not want to be? And that's and in different at different phases of life, I think we all we all get different opportunities, and we have to be willing to 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 jump in and be a part of what God's doing wherever we're at. So, I mean, my my life has changed a lot, you know. But different different things have happened that have caused me to have to make changes, and my capabilities change to do different things and I accept those things and that I want to keep myself I want to keep myself useful to God and uh, as long as I live I mean right now you know I'm doing something different than I've done before in life where I'm uh, you know my son is a worship leader at church and I'm just part of the crew which I've had to embrace instead of being the guy in front 
Uh, I am an elder at our church. You know, I'm not the pastor. And, and that's, that's, that's okay. Those things are, are good because that's where God, I think, wants me right now. So uh, eternal stuff is the most important stuff. And begins with accepting Christ as Savior. And then after that, uh, using your life uh, in, in God's, God's work. That's just the smartest thing you can do, no matter where you're at in life. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to share your story and to go through. And I think what's beautiful about each person's story is that it's unique. It's it's theirs. And, you know, if, if anyone who listens to this is able to gains anything from it it's it's all glory to god so uh, thank you for for joining us today thanks for the opportunity and the privilege i want to again thank Stephen for taking the time to share his story and join us on the podcast it certainly was encouraging to hear how a relationship with christ was made attractive to him by his brother this reminds me of the beginning of acts 1 which takes place just before jesus ascended into heaven Jesus tells his followers to be witnesses to everyone they came in contact with, no matter where they were at. Mike's obedience to this command directly led to Stephen's redemption. I trust you'll find this example encouraging as you interact with others. For those listening to the audio version of this podcast, make sure you're following Redemption Report so you know when future episodes are released. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to like the video and leave a comment. Check out T-Wear Productions for more content and ways to contact me directly. See you next time.